Welcome to Ahead of the Curve. This is your host, Jonathan Gellner, and thank you so much for joining us. Today's show is powered by Stick and Ball TV, the baseball and softball streaming platform. If you're listening to this, then you must have a growth mindset. So I would highly encourage you to check out stickandball.tv to listen to some of the greatest softball and baseball coaches in the country. Again, check it out at stickandball.tv or on the Stick and Ball TV mobile app. Today's episode is sponsored by What About Baseball? It's no secret that we live in a world with constant electronic distractions. Families are spending less time together and kids can't look up from their devices. But the What About Baseball brand is here to help. What About Baseball is a family-owned, baseball-centric business whose focus is on providing the best baseball toys, games, and accessories to bring families and friends back together to bond over the great sport of baseball. Starting with their best-selling Classic Edition board game, What About Baseball offers fun and exciting gameplay for fans at all levels, from beginning to expert. Whether you want to teach someone the basics of counting balls and strikes, or you are deciding if you should call the Suicide Squeeze, What About Baseball's Classic Edition board game is a proven winner and has the reviews to prove it. Even better, it's made right here in the USA. What About Baseball would like to reward Ahead of the Curve listeners 20% off their best-selling board game and free shipping. Go to whataboutbaseball.com backslash curve to get your offer. Once again, that's whataboutbaseball.com backslash curve. On today's show, we have on Mitch Thompson, head baseball coach at McLennan Community College. Mitch is among the most highly respected coaches and recruiters in all of college baseball. He is beginning his eighth year as the head baseball coach at McLennan He began to rebuild the program to prominence as the national runner-up in 2015 and headed back to the World Series, placing fifth in 2017. McLennan has also had the top JUCO draft pick in two of the last three years, and they are only one of seven Division I junior colleges to have 40 or more wins in each of the last five years. Before being named McLennan head coach, Thompson spent one season as the South Texas Area Scouting Supervisor for the Kansas City Royals organization after spending nearly two decades on staff at Baylor University, where he was the Bears hitting instructor and primary recruiter. Mitch also began his career as a graduate assistant for the legendary coach Ron Polk at Mississippi State. So on the show, we discuss how to build culture at a JUCO where every year half of your team moves on, We talk practice development and design, and how to make the big time where you are. Here is Mitch Thompson. Mitch, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks a lot for having me. Uh, Excited to have the opportunity to speak with you tonight. Definitely, definitely. Well, I'm really excited to get to learn from you today. I know that you are truly one of the more respected guys in the region and the, and the country. And you guys, you and your staff have McLennan just rolling. And so I'm really excited to get to learn from you today. But I truly like the first question, I guess, that that I want to ask. So we rewind all the way back to your first year of coaching. Can you tell us who the head coach that you got the opportunity to work for? And then can you kind of tell us some different things that you learned from him? Sure, sure. My, uh, I was fortunate enough to get my start in college coaching, uh, working for probably the greatest, one of the greatest of all time, and Ron Polk uh, at Mississippi State. Uh, uh, was blessed to get a, an opportunity to be a graduate assistant, and uh, Coach Polk was was just a phenomenal guy to learn from. Uh, learning the details of 
of how to go about this thing and, and uh, you know, dotting your I's and crossing your T's. So it was really, really a big, uh, big uh, head start for me and a, and a great experience. And Coach Polk set me, set me on the right path. So uh, I, I, haven't, I haven't quit yet. No, I love that. And I think the, the first, so my first year of coaching, I didn't get to coach with Coach Polk. But I did get the baseball Bible handed to me, and they said, if you've, if you've got one book that you've got to read, you've got to get the baseball. I think it's coach, the coach's handbook, I think is what it's technically baseball, called. Baseball playbook. Baseball That's playbook right. by Ron Polk. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've got my, I've got my copy that he gave me back in 19, uh, the fall of 1989, and, um, and it's, it's cherished. And, and for any coaches out there that don't have it, you're, mm-hmm. you're nuts. This is, it's, got, it's got everything in it you'd ever need. And it will uh, flat, it'll flat make you think about some things that you need to uh, take care of. So give old mm-hmm. coach a call and buy a book from him. He'll he'll love it, and uh, and you'll 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 gain a lot of knowledge from it. Definitely. And so you you've gotten to be in the region for for quite a long time. I think it, uh, as I was reading, you spent twenty three years at the D one level and twenty two in the Big Twelve. And so I guess you know getting getting your head coaching job, you're very familiar with the lay of the land and, and Texas mm-hmm. in general. And so I, I want to know, so you get to McLennan and then you have, you know, you go through the interview process, you nail it, you get the job. What did your vision look like for those listening who are like, you know, in your same position as, as far as just getting into head coaching or trying to go through year one and, and such a weird year too, but go through year one and really hammer what is truly important. So can you walk us through really what your vision for the program was and then how you went about implementing that on a daily basis? Well, I'll try to, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to be at a really good place, a place that's had a uh, great tradition uh, for a long, long time. Uh, McLennan's, uh, you know, a, a junior college program that has won national championships before um, that, that uh, competes at a very high level on a year in year out basis. So when the job was open, it was obviously the one that was of, of interest to me, uh, being that especially that I lived here in Waco and uh, knew what it could be. And, and so, you know, my vision for the program was just to try and return the program to greatness, um, to try and be relevant nationally on a year in year out basis, uh, produce really talented players, really quality people, uh, and make an impact on kids' lives. I mean, our goal is obviously to win a national championship, and 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 once we won one, we want to go win another one. Um, but you know, there's a lot of things that that go into that. So uh, I, I think that when you say what's your vision, my fit, my vision was to recruit really good kids, to bring them in and help them be accountable, to help them learn what it's going to take to be successful at the next level, um, and then to to win, win games and win championships where other kids want to come be a part of this place. And, uh, like I said, I'm blessed to be at a really good school with place that, uh, has great facilities, has great tradition, has great support with our, uh, our administration. And, uh, so the sky really is the limit here. I love that. And, and I, <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to take a step back from the question list because, I, I love getting to see the backdrop of coaches' offices. And so I, I'm seeing a couple of different signs and yeah. I've just, I've got to ask, so can you walk us through some of the, the signage that you've got behind you and then what, what that means to your program? Well, uh, I, I, I've got a sign that just sits right, right there. You see behind me, it says big time is where you are. That's uh that's the chair that we put every recruit in when they show up and, 
and we start our visit. And, and I, th- I really think the guys have to understand that, that, you know, and, and we as coaches have to remember it too. You know, if you ever want a better way of saying, Hey man, you've got to be where your feet are. And, uh, you know, don't ever say, well, you know, I'm going to do this when I make it to the big time. Uh, you're, you're never going to get there. You've got to, you've got to be big time where you are right now. Uh, over by the door um, is the process sign. And I've got that right by the door so that when, uh, when we walk out as coaches that we remember that, Hey, this is, this is a process. Um, you know, we're not going to be perfect. We're not going to be, uh, you know, <laughs> excellent on day one it's a process we've got to help these kids understand it and that'll just try and help help remind us to keep our uh you know to keep our our expectations where they need to be and to keep our focus on what it needs to be and and into helping these kids become uh become uh, who they are uh so that's the backdrop and then there's the the big picture of grand junction right behind us um that was our first win at grand junction in 2015 and it's a great memory for me and it's a um, uh, you know, something that I just, I, I want to, to be very visible to anybody that comes in here in the office. There's lots of other stuff on the wall. I mean, I can, I can show you around a little bit, I guess. Uh, picture there, we've got the American flag, picture of our team breaking out. We've got uh, the McLennan sign, you know, lots of good stuff. Uh, and then I've got above our, above our desk, a McLennan family sign, McLennan baseball family, because I really believe that, um, uh, you know, for a program to be what it needs to be, you're going to have to treat these kids like they're family. And uh, so that's that's kind of what we're about. I really like that a lot. And <laughs> and, uh, and th- thank you for showing us around and giving the Cribs version of, of your office. That's cool. <laughs> but one of the one of the I think I see is the one that's by the door that says do what we do. Yeah, especially that that really resonates with me too, uh, along with all of the other ones. But with all the things that you see that can try and grab our interest online, that really resonates with me because it's like these are what's going to make us successful. If we take care of the process, big time where you are, all of these things. But we have to do what we do. We can't just try and do what everybody else is doing. Is that is that something that that is is intentional that you guys are trying to do on a daily basis too? No question, no question. I think uh, I, I think that that just simply goes back to uh, a confidence thing. You know, believing in who you are, believing in what you where you're at, believing in your preparation for what you're doing, having a purpose. Uh, I think in in today's day and age, it's real simple for kids and for coaches and everybody to always look for the next best great thing. Um, instead of really focusing on the things that matter, um, you know, just taking care of your business on a daily basis, do what we do and, uh, and believing in, in what we believe in to help make us successful. Um, and then just being consistent with it on a daily basis. And it, I think, I think it has great, great value, great meaning. Oh, wonderful for sure. And it leads me into my next question. We, so you, you are the head of the program and every year you may have new coaches, new players, but you've got standards and and guidelines and rules that you want to make sure that they adhere to, to be successful. So you've talked about doing what we do. You've talked about uh, making it a family environment and, you know, I would love to hear what what you guys are besides those those terms what you guys are preaching as far as rules or standards or hey this is what we do here this yeah. is what how we act here this is what a McLennan baseball player looks like 
uh, today. And, and this is how we're going to be successful. But I'd love that if you could take over from there. Yeah, you know, I, I, I really think that, you know, our, our rules are really simple. I mean, I've tried to keep them as, as simple as possible. I've seen a lot of different people that have a, a long list of rules. And I think sometimes coaches put themselves into a corner with their rules and their regulations. Are you going to are you going to hold them up? Are you going to, you know, make it, uh, make the kids all abide by them and everything. So I keep mine really simple and it gives me all the freedom and all the, uh, all the, uh, flexibility that I would ever need in dealing with our kids. Uh, and, and the rules for us are just, <laughs> I mean, here's how simple they are, right? Go to class, be on time, do what's right. And I think that those three things while you're here cover everything. Uh, go to class means, Hey man, your education is really important. You don't go to class. I'm going to, I'm going to take care of it and we won't be playing baseball. Um, be on time means that you respect other people. You respect their time. You respect, uh, their commitment to what they're doing, whether it's in class, whether it's at practice, whether it's a meeting with somebody else, it's showing respect for the other person and then, uh, do what's right. Just simply means that, you know, gosh, it, that, that covers everything from, from how you treat other people, uh, a discipline thing, uh, on the field, off the field, uh, you know, serve your teammates, serve other people, do what's right. Um, and if we do those three things, then I think that we're, we're, we're setting our kids up to have, have great success here at the junior college level and, and at the college level for sure. So I, don't, I really don't want to make a whole lot of other rules. I mean, I'll be tough on the kids early in the early in the fall about their appearance, about their haircuts, about their beards. Um, and I think that my reasoning for that makes a lot of sense. I think for these players that are looking to get recruited, you always want to look young. Um, and so I tell guys, hey, we're going to shave every day. You don't shave. I'm going to get on you. You're going to have your hair, hair is going to be neat and trimmed and and you're going to look like an all-American kid because that's who people want to recruit. That's who people want to believe in. Um, and so I try and create that discipline with them in the fall. Then during the springtime, I kind of back off of it a little bit, and I don't worry about it quite as much because I think the kids handle themselves pretty well. Um, and, you know, guys like to wear a beard occasionally, just like you, and, hey, there ain't nothing wrong with that. And uh, as long as their hair is not too crazy and just drawing attention to, to themselves, then I, I let that stuff all go. I think that that's eyewash. So go to class, be on time, do what's right kind of covers it all fantastic i love that and and uh, i do wear a beard and just for the fact (laughs) that i I could i just can't can't. i'm still i'm still waiting for it to come in yeah (laughs) well (laughs) mainly for me i think you know teaching high school kids i get confused especially with the masks that we have to wear now i get confused for being a high school kid uh, more often than i would think that i would but you know that's that's kind of the reasoning behind it and so but uh (laughs) but with you've you've gotten to take a, a a full like go two feet or both feet in right with this uh with this process of being a head coach and and i haven't and so getting to hear well you know every head coach talks about building the culture right i mean that's that's at every press conference that's every successful book that you hear and and you read or every successful book that you read and, and everything that you hear you've got but no not many can really define how that happens on a daily basis. And so I, it's really hard. It's a hard thing to, to really grasp. And I think it's very context specific because 
you know, you could be very successful at, at McLennan and then go somewhere else and you're going to have to make some tweaks just like everyone else is. But what are some, what are some things that you have done to really build a culture? And, and I, I think that you're with the signage, I think that, that that's right on your, you're talking about it and you're preaching the same things over and over, but you hear this all the time. And so I'd love to hear your thoughts on how we build culture. Yeah, I think culture is probably as important as anything that a coach can, can create. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate. I'm here in here in Waco right now, and uh, we all just watched our our Baylor Bears men's basketball team win a national championship. And they talked about the culture of joy, and you know, Jesus, others, yourself. And I think that there's a lot of truth to that, especially for that team. I saw it happen, and I saw the coach. I know Scott, and he's a he's a great guy, and they live it. Uh, for me, culture is, is something that's never ending. Uh, I think it's got to be led by the, by the head coach to start with. Uh, you know, for me, I, th- I think culture means taking the, the focus off of yourself and putting on, on other people. Um, you know, some, some things that I, I kind of concentrate on for myself is trying to make sure that I'm out there busting my tail in practice, that I'm not too big to get out and help put equipment on the field that I'm doing too big to carry something or do something and, 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 and take care of that. When I first got here to McLennan eight years ago, one of my first practices, I'll never forget it where I'm talking about what we're going to do. And all of a sudden I heard the sophomores on the team start yelling, freshman, that's a freshman job. Go do that. And I thought, how crazy is this that we have half of our team that thinks they're going to take advantage of the other half of our team. How am I ever going to be a build team? when half of that's, when that's taking place on a daily basis. You know, I, I think that culture just means that you're, you're going to serve up, you're going to serve other people always, uh, that, that you're going to take the focus off of yourself. It's not all about you. It's about, about the team. And, uh, that's, that's kind of been my goal with this thing, uh, on a daily basis. It's something that I think, again, at our level, at the junior college level, it's really a difficult thing to build because, um, it's, it's difficult from the standpoint that the players all change every every year. Half your team changes on any given year. And so, you know, your freshmen that are coming in, they don't even know if they belong yet. Your sophomores are all halfway out the door looking at what's the next best place. Where, where am I going to go from here when you when you keep continue to lose half your team every year? And so it makes it hard at this level to be excellent every year. I think this it, it's dependent upon us as coaches then to really show that leadership and to force guys that, hey, we don't have any job that's a freshman job. Every job we have is a team job. Anything that needs to be done, we need someone to go do it. And uh, guys got to find ways to serve the team and serve the program. I love that. And I, I, I think – I think that that's that's been something that that has been passed down for forever. Of the hey, this is a freshman. I I am right there with you. I I hate that. <laughs> it just it drives me crazy. And so I always go back to the book Legacy, where James Kerr talks about sweeping the sheds, and that the oldest and most tenured guys on the in the program of the All Blacks they always do the hardest jobs. And there's their sweat, there's their sweats, their sheds are their locker rooms. And so all, all of the oldest guys take that job because they understand that they want to show the younger guys what it's like to be an all black. And so I've always loved that. I always, I always thought that that was a, that was a really, really, you know, cool and, and culture yeah. builder when you're, when you're guys that, that shouldn't have to do that because they've earned the right not to per se are willing to go that extra step and do that. And so I, I really like that. 
And, you know, another thing I, I know that, that you do well, uh, and I can't wait to get into that here in just a second, but I'd love, and that's offense, but I'd love to hear you walk us through, uh, you mentioned, you know, you, you do only have them for probably two years. Uh, this year may be a weird year for most, uh, but you have them for two years. And so you get them in August and you're, <laughs> you're honestly, you're having to reteach just about everything I feel like. And so you get them in August, kind of walk us through your uh, off-season calendar. And I know that that's a lot to ask, but just different segments or different things that you want them to make sure that they know in the off-season, things that are important. Go to class being one of them, mm-hmm. uh, for, especially mm-hmm. for players listening. But just kind of walk us through the first, you know, first day on campus to uh, when they leave for winter break. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna start practice the first day that we're we we can whatever that day is, and and for us typically it's been the first day of school. Um, we get them moved in, make sure everybody starts to get to know each other. I usually have the team out to my house uh, for a, for a cook cookout. The freshmen come out uh, one day, sophomores come out another. I kind of line out what I expect of of both groups and tell them kind of what to expect and give them an opportunity to think through things about what's coming. Um, Tell the sophomores that I expect them to be leaders, that they understand what we've done and they understand what we, how we want things done. And I want them to help the young, the young freshmen figure it out. But then we start practice and we get after it. And probably the biggest thing that you just mentioned that makes the most sense to me is that we have to start from scratch every year. Um, if, if I ever assume that somebody knows something, I'm making a mistake. Uh, and then I have to also, I have to make sure that I let these kids that we bring into our program, I let them compete and do what they do before I start cha- making changes to help improve them. In other words, I've got to let them fail before I can start correcting their hitting mis- mistakes or, hey, dude, you're going to have to make some adjustments here with how you, how your arm works and what you're doing pitching wise and all these things, you know, the, the student's ready to listen once he fails. And before then it's, he's really not ready. And so we brought these kids in, we've got to put them in situations, allow them to have the opportunity to fail. Um, and then, and then be there to help pick them up and get them, get them going again. Uh, we will go with our fall practice all the way until uh, November. And so from August, you know, first day of class in August, September, October, I mean, we're going six, seven days a week. Uh, I, 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 I will give them days off, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's a grind and it's part of the, part of the deal of helping these guys understand what hard work is and helping them to create the thought process that we deserve success because we have worked for it. We'll be lifting three or four times a week while we're doing that, at least twice a week at six o'clock in the morning. Um, the six o'clock weight workouts probably aren't the player's favorite thing, but I always tell them, hey, you're going to be doing this at the at the four-year school when you leave here. Um, and it helps me as a coach. It does, it gives me some 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 information. I mean, I know who's I know I know everybody's up and ready to go to eight o'clock class when we lift at six o'clock in the morning. Uh, I know what went on the night before when we lift at six o'clock in the morning. Uh, it helps create discipline with the team that, you know, they've got to help each other, make sure every, each, each other get there and that we take care of it. Um, and so we lift three, four times a week throughout the entire fall as well. 
because strength is such an important part of the game. And, uh, you know, we'll do that in the morning. Uh, then we'll, then we'll be out there all, all afternoon in practice and, and, and breaking it down, you know, every aspect, uh, the individual defensive part, the team defense part, the hitting, the base running, the pitching, start covering it all. I mean, um, you know, one thing I did learn from Ron Polk is to expect players to to know the finer details of the game and be able to execute the little things that are going to separate you from other people. You're going to have to you're going to have to coach them. You're going to have to teach them. Um, and so, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll just start really hammering on the on the minors to minor details and try and make these guys aware of it and then hope that we have the right makeup kid that they want to take all that information and really apply it to their game. Um, once once the fall's over, we continue our lifting program. We're going to do that up until Christmas break when they go home. Probably the biggest the biggest challenge that we have is getting our kids back here in January where they're in shape, where their arms are in shape, where their legs are in shape, where they haven't lost all the work that we've put in throughout the entire fall. Uh, because once we get back in January, we'll, we'll typically have about two weeks of practice and then it's ding, ding, it's game time, you know, strap it on. Here we go. And so we have to, we have to really come up with a really good, take home program for them. Here's, here's when you're going to be lifting. Here's when, what we expect you to be doing running wise. Here's what we expect you to be doing lifting wise, throwing wise so that your arms in shape, your body's in shape. You're ready to really get after it and compete once you get here, because we just don't have the time to get you, to get you in shape, to be ready to go. And for the most part, we've had good success with that because the guys that we bring in, I think are, are very focused. They have a, a plan. They have a have goals that they want to accomplish, where they want to go, how they want to, you know, what they want to do. And so for the most part, they come in and they're ready to go there. Uh, but the fall is really huge for us. And, you know, I mean, it's the most, it, it, it's a lot of fun for coaches. It's a lot of work. Um, but you're right with a new team every year, you've really got to, you've got to start from the ground up. And, you know, I mean, just to give you an example, I mean, running from home to first base, 17 different things, you know, and I'm Coach Polk, he taught me 17 different things you need to be doing as you're running from home to first base. So, you know, let's try and have that kind of attention to detail and get these kids to understand why you're doing that. And I think that that gives them a, a step up as well. 17. I'm, I'm going to have to reread them all. <laughs> yeah, you'll go back and reread it. He'll, he'll have them laid out for you. That's wonderful. <laughs> And I, I think that most college coaches share that same thing with you of the of the winter break. Whenever they have those couple weeks off, it's like the most nervous time of the season. And I, I do I do want to rewind just a little bit before we get into preseason and then in season stuff. And so you you were uh, the hitting guy at Baylor for oh, uh, I don't mean that in, in a rude way, but yeah. eighteen years, 18 yeah, years, quite, yeah, quite a long time. So you you got to work with a lot of really really good hitters, and so. You're, you know, in the setting that we're in, which is the team setting, as much time as we would love to be able to fix swings mechanically, I'm sure we just we're not afforded with that. We're having to to do some of that, but also look at the team as a whole because there's only one of you uh, and there's you know 30 players. And so, uh, with that being said, what are some different strategies that you use in regards to team offense? And we could we could do a whole show on just learning the swing and all of those things, but uh, especially in the time that we're in and, and the positions that we're in, I mean, 
at the end of the day, they ask how many runs we score too. And oh, so yeah. <laughs> tell, tell us a little bit about how you go developing team offense, uh, getting guys to buy into that. Uh, how do we score runs and how do we train that? Well, I think, first of all, you know, the college coaches, we're fortunate. We get to pick the kids that are going to be on our team. And, uh, you know, I mean, all great hitting coaches, we're, we're, we're really good when we have good hitters. And we're not very good when our guys can't play. So for us, we get to pick our team. You know, the high school coaches are the ones that I think have the, the extreme challenge of how to, how to be successful doing that. And, um, you know, they've got to take what, they, what they've got and they've got to make something of it. You know, if, I, if I'm picking and choosing, what would I want? And what, what, what did I always try and build our offensive team around at Baylor? What do I like to build our offensive team around here like? And sometimes we're more successful than others. I mean, we've, we've, got, we've got a good offense. We've got good players, typically speaking. But I love to have a team that can win in a lot of different ways. I want, to, I want a team that can, can win with power. I want a team that can win with speed. Uh, I want a team that can play defense. Uh, I've, I've always liked recruiting the athletic players, you know, I mean, guys who are, who are athletes that can run, uh, speed, something that you can't coach, uh, typically speaking, you know, I mean, if a guy can run, he can run. So let's, let's, you learn to utilize that speed and that speed will in turn help our power guys, because if we can get guys with speed on the base ahead of our power hitters, it's going to get our power guys more fastballs to hit. And our power guys are going to get our speed guys more, breaking balls to run on. So I like to put together a team that's got the ability to do both. We've had several different years over the course of time where, uh, you know, we've had a team that could hit a hundred home runs and steal a hundred bases. That's a, that's a really neat accomplishment in college baseball. If your team can do something like that. And uh, we've been fortunate enough to be able to do that a few times, but take special kids. um, They've got to buy into the whole system and, and the whole plan and, and, and to do that, the high school guys got to take what they give. And I, I just think the biggest thing that we can do as coaches is then, and, they, and we even have to do it at the college level. Once we pick our teams, sometimes, sometimes we've made mistakes. Sometimes we've, uh, we thought a kid could hit this way and hit with this kind of power and he can't. And so we've got to be able to adapt and ask our kids to do what they can do again. You know, uh, it's crazy to ask a guy who can run, to be a power guy if he doesn't have that ability we've got to you know we've got to make him a bunner we've got to be able to teach him how to how to utilize his speed and to make it make it the best uh, you know best of use for the team that way um so we just got to be aware of what our kids can do and then try and uh try and give them every opportunity to 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 do that you know you don't ask a you don't ask a control pitcher to try and throw it 100 miles an hour it doesn't work very good no doubt. No doubt. So you get them back from winter break and uh, you guys don't have very long to get them ready before game <laughs> one. And so what's what's the process there? Because you, you spent all fall kind of laying the groundwork for what it's going to be like in the spring. So how do we get them ready in January? Well, and and, and really, we, we do try to get them re- make the fall as game like as can be in the, in the spring. But it's 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 even weird how we do that. That doesn't make a lot of sense sometimes. Um you know, everybody gets to play in the fall. So, you know, we're playing a doubleheader and this guy will start one game and this guy will start another part of the scrimmage. Or, you know, uh, one guy will play seven innings, another guy will play seven innings. Uh, each pitcher will go out and throw two innings. And, you know, you get to springtime and it's not like that. You know, everybody doesn't get to play all the time. You've kind of earned your playing time. You've earned your ability to be on the mound to do that. Um, 
so we got to communicate that with the guys too. Um, but no, uh, very short time to get guys going. Uh, you know, it'll take us five weeks into our season. We'll be five weeks into games before our pitchers even reach the hundred pitch mark where we feel like we can let them stay out there for a hundred pitches during the game. And, uh, and I think that's kind of different because I think a lot of people probably get there a little quicker than we do. But at the same time, we want to keep these kids. No, nobody's ever gotten better when they're hurt. So we got to keep them healthy if they're going to if they're going to keep improving and keep getting better. And so um, just got to have a plan. plan. You got to have patience. You got to you got to be smart when you're scheduling. You got to not not over schedule and, and schedule too many games. Lots of different things that go into this whole thing if you want to be successful and uh, you got you got to put yourself in a position to do that, and put your kids in a uh, position to do that. I don't know if that really answers the question or not, but there's at least a few thoughts on that, I guess. Well, for sure. And then then you get to the time period that we're in. Once you feel like okay, we've laid the groundwork. We by this time, which is now April 18th, you've you've got your lineup set for the most part, and you're really trying to roll into championship season. So once we get to this time of year, you hear a lot of coaches that say we need to start to scale back on some things. We need to uh, do this or that and, and cut practices down a little bit or just whatever to, to save their legs. Uh, but what are some different ways that you found to be successful to either cut down on time or, or cut out completely or just different ways that you found to be able to save some time to give them uh, either a breather or just keep them fresh? Well, you, you got to give them days off in the springtime too. You got to, you got to let them have have days to recharge. We're going to continue to lift our guys even in the springtime. You know, our guys are young and and they're eighteen years old and they've got to get stronger. And so we're going to continue to lift. I think that that helps us recover. But you do have to back off a little bit on practice time. Uh, but I think your practice time should be able to shorten up. You know, uh, it, it's not it, it shouldn't take you as long to work at your punt defense. You know, you ought to be able to go through it real quickly and encourage guys to get mental reps while they're watching their teammates do the exact same thing. Uh, I think the mental rep thought process is really important. You know, if you have a team of 15 pitchers and you're working bunt defense, you can't run out there and have all 15 pitchers execute all three or four of your bunt defenses without it taking forever. You've got to have mental, mental reps where they watch somebody else do it and they're going through it in their head as to how they would execute it. Um, but we do, we try and shorten it up, uh, work, work maybe one or two things of team defense every day, uh, getting our ground ball work and our fly ball work, our game reacts in the outfield during our BP time and really, really utilizing that well. Um, we also have to be very cognizant you know, at our level, we're playing double headers all the time. And, uh, you know, double headers are so tough, man. I mean, we're playing 16 innings a day. And for the most part, you are using, you know, basically the same starters. Um, 16 innings on a Wednesday. Hey, Thursday's going to have to be pretty light. Uh, if you're going to play 16 innings again on Saturday, hey, Friday's going to have to be pretty light. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to just grind these guys into the ground. So, uh you try to hit on the important things, continue to work on the fundamental things, but the, the things that, that need repetition, you know, and, uh, and, and spend as, as much time on the things that happen the most is what I would encourage guys to do. That's what we've been successful at doing. So let me turn the question around on you on things that happen the most. What do you see 
other maybe you did it earlier or uh, you see other coaches doing things that don't really happen that often. The first thing that comes to my mind is like first and third early steal, you know, defense or, you know, first and third. And we're yeah. going for 45 minutes in general. Yeah. But is there any other ones that come to mind? No, but I mean, that's that's exactly what I'm talking about. That that doesn't happen very often. You, you've got to hit on it. You've got to continue to stay keeping in focus. And, you know, we'll practice that once a week, maybe for 10 minutes, you know, and, and, and that's that's really quickly as we do. Um, you know, contrast that with we'll do fly ball communication probably at least twice a week because fly ball communication happens all the time. And, uh, you know, if you want your guys to communicate, you want that out when you need it. You never have to need a problem with fly ball communication. It's going to happen much more often. Uh, we'll spend way more time on, uh, on, on on field and ground balls and giving our infielders repetitions, field and ground balls, because those happen all the time. Um, you know, uh, th- those type of things I think we've got to be smart about. Um, we've got to be smart about how we're, how we're going to practice base running. What's the two or three things base running-wise that are really important to you? For me, um, it's it's line drive reads, making sure that we, we don't give up double plays on line drive outs to the infield, uh, ball and dirt reads, uh, you know, things like that. The, and so, so we'll just – we'll practice those type of things, uh, you know, once a week very quickly, 10 minutes, just to refocus everybody's attention on it and the importance of it. And then the other thing is, is we try to try to find those things where it really came into play and maybe use that in a video session. Um, you know, hey, here's where we executed a, a really nice look, look at our fly ball communication, how it came into play right here and how, how we got the out when we needed to or how we executed our bunt defense, or here's here's a ball and dirt read. Look, look here. This guy really executed it well. Got a great jump, and reemphasize the importance of those things to the players, so that while you are practicing, you're practicing it with purpose. That they don't just get tired of, oh, geez, here we go again. Fly ball communication. Um, you know, we t- we try to do fly ball communication. Simple thought process. I'm sure every coach in America thinks this, but every time we have a high sky sunny day and wind the trifecta we're going to go out there and shoot that sucker that machine up there as high as we can and try and make it as difficult as we can because if we can do that then game day we know that they can handle any situation that's handled uh, given to them so you know little ideas like that i think that that's what we try to do during the season well you're talking about most days in the spring in waco texas right <laughs> no question no question <laughs> High sky with wind. We better we better be able to handle the wind. If we can't do that, we're in big time trouble. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Well, uh, so so another thing that I, I really find interesting and in, in getting to learn from other coaches is you know what they do after the season because you got guys that are moving on and you want to thank them for the different things that they brought to the program and, and wish them the best of luck. And then you've got an, for you in particular, you've got a whole another class that's coming back. How do you get those guys ready for the next step as far as, hey, you're a sophomore now. These were some things that you did awesome this year. Here were some things that I would really, you know, I, I think that you need to do to take the next step. But do you, do you have those conversations? What do those look like? And then do you have an outline or just something that, that we can learn from you and, and, and do something similar? Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't have anything on paper outline wise or anything, but I, I think you got to have those kind of conversations with guys, uh, um, especially to to congratulate them on the hard work that they've done and what's coming next for them and where they're going and how much 
you know, you got to keep telling these kids, you know, how much better they are for being here. And some of them haven't, some of them may not have had the success yet come in game time or whatever, but, you know, I think it's in, important to, to encourage them. Hey man, do you remember when you got here, you weighed 175 pounds? Look at you now, you, you know, you've put on 10 or 15 pounds. You're, you're making progress um, and, and really refocus them. We've got to continue to move the bar. Um, you know, this is where you came in at. This is where you're at now. This is where I think you can get to. What do you think? And then I really encourage the guys to communicate with me because when I hear what they, what they have to say, um, it really helps. It really helps know with the makeup of the kid, you know, I mean, is, is he going to be able to make those kind of, kind of jumps and, you know, cause there's a, there's a lot of different levels of kid out there now, you know, some are really driven and some are, are guys that you really have to, you've got to draw the picture for them as to what you see in them. And I think that that's something that, you know, um, I think we've had success here because we, we have a picture in our mind as to where we think each kid can get to. And uh, I hope my picture is always a little higher than maybe even what he's able to achieve that I'm always trying to bring the very best out of every kid. But if we're going to, if we're going to get them to give us great effort, we've got to communicate. We've got to line out the program. We've got to line out, Hey, here's what I need you to do this summer. You know, some kids need to go play in the summertime. Some kids need to train in the summertime. You know, they'd spend much, they'd be much more successful in spending the summer in the weight room, spending the summer on, on speed development, speeding, spending the summer at, at skill development, you know, uh, improving this one area of your, of the, of your game. And, uh, and some guys need to play. They haven't played enough. So uh, it's, it's really an individual thing, but you got to communicate with them and you've got to, you've got to have a plan. If you, if you want them to continue to make the steps forward, you got to, got to lay it out for them or they'll say they, they, they won't know what to do. Oh, for sure. And, and you being uh, in the positions that you've been in and at the four year level for so long, and then, you know, being there with them every day, I'm, I'm sure that, 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 that advice and that guidance is, is second to none. So I, I love like, that's basically a year in a nutshell <laughs> as a McQuinn and baseball player. So I love it. And, and yeah. thank you so much for going into such de detail. I do have some different get to know you questions for you. So just some quick hitters as far as that goes. But, you know, the first question is what is the latest thing that you've learned that has gotten you really excited? Huh? Interesting. Um, you know, I, I don't know. We've added a few things. I think as a coach, you've got to continue to add. If, you know, you could either have 30 years of experience where you're continuing to develop and develop and develop, or else you can have 30 year or one year of experience that you've done 30 times. And I think that, you know, if we're going to keep growing as coaches, we've got to keep looking at how other things are done. Um, I, I, I'm really challenged by my, by my assistant coaches on a daily basis. You know, I think that's a big thing. You know, coaches, we've got to we've got to have assistant guys who are working for you who bring something to the program that may be a little different than what you've uh, you've seen, or, or their experiences are a little different. So they open up your eyes to things. Uh, and I think that while we have a way of doing things, we're foolish if we don't really incorporate that that other idea uh, from somewhere else that they bring in. Uh, probably the two things that we've done this year that are that are kind of along the lines is, is one I stole from uh, Steve Rodriguez and the Baylor baseball program. It's called live defense. 
and it's just a way of practicing defense at game speed, uh, high repetitions, um, you know, uh, lots of different lots of different speeds of infield play, um, and and what you basically do is you put two uh, two groups of infielders at, out at each position: two first basemen, two second basemen, two shortstops, two third basemen. Um, you have a coach out there throwing BP from short distance, very quick. Um, you have your outfielders and possibly your catchers that are hitting and they're all trying to hit balls on the ground. So it's a way of them for working almost at working at hit hit and run plays, being able to stay on balls, control their barrel, put balls in play on the ground. And then you're just challenging your infielders to make all the plays and you know, you'll have some balls that are hit with great backspin that are hit really hard. You'll have other balls that are top spin balls that they got to come get. Um, and those infielders at each position just continue to rotate in. So third baseman's in, he's make, he makes a play, he gets back in line, the other third baseman's in. And it's very high, high paced, uh, quick, quick repetitions. You know, as coaches, we're not coaching technique there. We're not coaching anything other than, hey, make the plays. And, and have some freedom to make plays the way you make them. But, but trying to encourage the guys that, you know, hey, uh, you know, you've got one play to make. This is the one. Can you make it? And uh, we've seen great, great improvement from our infielders working on that. Um, the other thing that I've, I've, I've never really done a lot of this uh, that we, we've done now this year that's kind of interesting to me. Uh, we've always spent a lot of time with the machine hitting on the field, hitting fastballs on the field with our machine. Uh, I want our team to be able to, to crush fastballs. I want other teams' pitchers to – they throw us a 92 mile our fastball. I don't want it to be any problem for us. Let's knock, let's, let's knock the heck out of it. But we find that sometimes our guys end up cheating to that pitch, and then, it, it you know, we're in the game time, and we don't always handle the off-speed stuff as well. So this year we're setting up the breaking ball machine out on the field. And we're just hitting breaking ball after breaking ball after breaking ball after breaking ball. And, and, and I, it's been fun to watch because our guys are improving. You know, I think that anytime you can practice anything at game speed, um, make things more difficult and make them challenging and make them competitive, that what you end up finding is your kids, they, they love that. And, uh, you know, our guys are getting better. Our guys are getting better swinging the bat because we're, we're hammering the off-speed stuff a lot better than we used to. Um, we're still trying to hit the fastball as well, but, um, it's been fun doing those kind of things. I don't know. Those, those are two things that continue to evolve and, and, uh, you know, two little ideas that, that, that have been new to our program in the last couple of years that I think have, have really tried to help take us to the next place. I love that. You know, I, I feel like if, if we can all steal one, one drill or one thought process or one thing from every person, we're going to be pretty good. No question. the next thing I've got for you is it's kind of the opposite. It's what's something that you used to believe that you've changed your mind about, or just something in general that you've, that you thought about and you're like, ah, oh, I think that there's a better way to do this. Huh? <laughs> Man, I don't know. That's a it, tough it could, one there. And it could be the curveball one. Like you were just mentioning, well, like that would have been the fir- perfect answer for that too. Yeah, I guess it, I guess it would. I know, I know this, I know that you, we we have to evolve in coaching the players. This is my 31st year of, of coaching college baseball. And uh, you know, um, these are these these are different kids with different different 
ways of being brought up than they were 31 years ago. And not that it's right or wrong either way. It's that it's the way it is. And so, but we have to handle these kids a little differently. I think we've got to be more psychologists right now than we've ever had to be before. We've got to be able to really lay out a vision and help these guys uh, figure out where they're going. So, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know about, about something that I've, I've figured out that I, man, I screwed it up. I, I, well, I'll, I'll tell you one thing that I know I did learn in my career. Um, and it was earlier in my career. I mean, I had a kid at, at Baylor, one of my, one of my first years there as a hitting guy, we recruited him cause he had power and, um, freshman year hit 10 home runs, showed power, but he struck out 60 times. And, uh, you know, that next year I put made it a made it a point that I I'm gonna help this guy. We're not gonna strike out near as many times uh as as we did the year before. And and we didn't. He didn't strike out as many times, but I also took his power away from him. Um I think you gotta you gotta figure out how you're gonna how you're gonna get out of them what you wanted to get out of them without taking away their strength. Uh you can't fix their fix their weakness while while you're taking away the strength is the reason that you recruited them in the first place. Uh so I learned that a long time ago. And maybe that maybe that fits into the line with uh what would you, what have you learned? What would you not do again? <laughs> no, definitely. I and that that's a great answer uh to that question and something that I think if we're not thinking about that while we're trying to make changes that I think that we're doing the kids a disservice because I, I know yeah. that I've done that. Like, I know that I've been like, man, if you just struck out less and then it takes away what they're doing well, I think that's a, that's a perfect. Well, and, 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 and there's a happy medium there. I mean, I think you're right as a coach too, right? I mean, putting the ball mm-hmm. in play is important, but if you're the guy that's going to be driving in all the runs and you're the four hole hitter, my gosh, if, if, if we get balls in play, but they're not in play, like, like we want you hitting them, it really doesn't make much sense. So. I was a young coach's mistake. Obviously, I'm not as young as I used to be, so <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I learned that one. No doubt. No, I, I'm right there with you. The next question is, what is one drill that your players love that we can steal from you? Um, that the players love? Um, hmm. You know, we, we've, uh, we've kind of got our guys that they've bought in on, on what we call offset hitting. And for me, the offset hitting drill is just it's just throwing angle angle toss BP, you know, from uh, from the open side. So left-handed hitters will be hitting and we'll be throwing it from just off to the third base side of BP. Uh, I've kind of told our guys over over a period of time, and we've done this forever, but uh, I call it the the magic pixie dust. You know, it kind of this is the magic pixie dust that's going to get you going again uh, once you once you can can get stay on balls and drive balls the other way, all of a sudden the performance on the field starts to happen. So we'll, we'll do offset hitting, you know, two, three, four times a month, probably. Um, and, and, and they've kind of bought into it. You know, I, I mean, I liked it at least one, once this, once this springtime, uh, you know, I was talking to my assistant and said, Hey, what do we, what do we want to do today for hitting? And he said, uh, the guys want to do offset hitting. And, uh, and I was just, I was, I was really excited about it because I know what it's done for us over the years. Uh, but it was neat that they kind of asked for, to do that. Uh, the other thing that they love is a, is a drill that we've, we've got that we call, uh, um, oh my goodness, I just lost, lost the thought process, but it's a, it's a little competition at the end of the day. Um, and, and we divide up our hitters into two, two teams, half right-handed hitters, half left-handed hitters. And we're trying to drive balls 
drive balls the opposite field. Uh, they love the competition of that. Anything you can set up like that, competition-wise, they love. Um, but uh, oh, and I can't even think of the name of it. But my gosh, I've, I've got it. I've done it a hundred times. Uh, maybe it'll come to me here in a minute. No, no doubt. That's that's. <clears throat> what is one book or just resource in general? And I, I'm going to go ahead and throw out the Ron Polk baseball coaching handbook <laughs> one more time. So what? What is one book or just resource, uh, you know, conference that anything that you would recommend uh, yeah. for the for the listeners who they're learners, right? And right. that's why they're listening to the show. But is there anything that you felt has really made a positive impact on your career that you would recommend to them? Couple things, um, you know. Number one is is uh, this we're we're blessed in this game because there are really really outstanding coaches with lots of years of wisdom that have been willing to share their experiences with us. Um, for every guy that's out there, I think, I think being a part of the American baseball coaches association has been an unbelievable experience for me getting a chance to go to their conventions, to hear the speakers, to agree with some guys, to disagree with other guys in my thought process about it. But it's always been something that's really, really helped me grow. So I'd encourage that. Um, I think that, you know, the, you, you mentioned Ron Polk's book. It's a great resource. But, but then the the other thing is that the the book that you that when you when you kind of thought, gave me that question to think about, it's uh, that it's meant so much to me, um, and it's my favorite book of all time. Um, and I, I consider myself a reader, even though I'm not I'm not I'm not a great reader. I don't I don't just keep four or five books going at one time. Don't get me wrong. Um, but but the Traveler's Gift by Andy Andrews, uh, I think is just loaded with so many great, great points of wisdom uh, for us as coaches to help our kids learn how to, how to grow up, how to be men, how to, uh, how to, how to do things. Uh, and I would encourage, I mean, I, I bought it for my team one year uh, as a Christmas gift years ago. Uh, I thought that much of it. Um, I hope that they read it <laughs> uh, because I know that it's, it's a, it's a really valuable book, but I, I would tell you any coach that hasn't read the traveler's gift by Andy Andrews, uh, that that's, that's gotta be the next book that you buy and read. Perfect. I love that. Well, coach Thompson, that's, that's all I've got for you today. And uh, let me be the first to say thank you for just the wealth of knowledge that you brought today and, and just all of the different drills that you gave us and, and all of the just the again the wisdom that you bring is second to none, and so I, I do want to mute myself uh, before we go and and give you the opportunity to talk to any or all of our listeners. Is there anything else that you'd like to tell them before you go? Well, I appreciate what you guys do, and I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, to get a to chance to be on your show. Uh, I think you guys do a phenomenal job, and I've listened to a lot of your podcasts before, and been really impressed. And so thank you for what you're doing for our game. Um, uh, last thing I just say to guys is just this, as, as we get into the coaching, you know, as you, as you get into coaching, the wins and losses are, are all important to all of us because we want to keep our jobs. And, uh, and those are all great. I know that, you know, when I, as a young coach and I want to win championships and I want to win every game we play right now, but I know that it's not going to happen. And, uh, you know, the thing that I've learned over the course of my time is the relationships that you build and the lives that you invest in, I think, are, are really the greatest treasure of our career. 
Um, and so I just encourage you continue to look out, look, look out there for the guys. And, uh, you know, the guys that, you know, there's going to be really successful kids that come through your program that aren't going to be great baseball players, but you can help play a part in their life. And, uh, and, and it's something that I was, you know, I was blessed to be around coaches, Ron Polk, Hal Baird, Steve Smith, uh, the people that I was worked with that really took the personal, the personal thought process into the kids and their lives and took it personal that they wanted to, to impact their lives. Now that I'm, you know, 56 years old and been in this for 31 years, I'll just tell you that the wins and losses, they come and go and they're great. Uh, but at the end of the day, if you don't have those relationships with those kids, you're going to, you're going to have wasted a lot of years and wasted a heck of an opportunity. Um, and, and so for me, the greatest blessing that I've had out of this is the relationships and, uh, and, and, and the players and, you know, the, the fun times as we've, we've, we've been through the challenges and the, and the, the wins and the losses. And I just, you know, keep that in mind. And, and, uh, and I think if you're always taking care of the players, the wins and losses are going to take care of themselves as well. So that's all I got. I really appreciate what you guys do. Thanks so much for having me on. And I wish everybody, uh, I wish everybody successful seasons and, and great careers. Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. You can subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, which can include Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, or YouTube. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please share it on social media to help get the word out. Once again, thank you for joining us.